1: I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom. I'm here with the uh, the guy who knows way more than most people should about Mass Effect, N7, the legend. <laughs> How's it go, man?
4: It's good, and I've got my nerd glasses on today. What? Uh, I've got
1: my yeah. nerd gl- I've always had my nerd glasses on, but you don't always have your nerd glasses on.
4: I don't always, but I, I had to wake up early and my
1: eyes just weren't feeling the contacts. So. Oh, well, bummer, dude, but what's good news is that we're back to some lore episodes and uh, now that we're all done with medicine, we can just move on to something else, right? Because there's nothing else having to do with medicine. There's no I can't think of any other like notable doctors in the trilogy. There's like uh,
4: I kept thinking that we were done. I really did. (laughs) After the interview with Dr. Greg, I thought we were over it. And then I I went back into my my notes and research mode and I was like oh my gosh we have we have more to talk about which I know our listeners are probably just really bummed about
1: yeah probably really bummed um or at least some of them will be fans of uh, this topic this week what? so wait so what are we talking about.
4: So, there is, you know, like I said, a huge breadth of those medical related topics, but there's still a couple key physicians that we haven't talked about. So, today we are dissecting the character. I I tried to come up with a witty intro on the fly. It's not going to happen, but (laughs) Dr. Lexi Tapero.
1: Dissecting, I I heard that there. Wait, so Dr. Who? Dr. What?
4: Now, uh, this is a doctor from Andromeda. She is an Asari on the, starts on the Hyperion and then moves to the Tempest. Uh, She Uh. was supposed to stay on the Ark with the, sorry, there's a very loud car outside.
1: I'm just going to pretend that that's gas coming (laughs) From you,
4: <laughs> I did do an eating challenge yesterday, <laughs> so that alone. wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> it was for work, and I, I, downed a twelve egg omelet. It was something else, but wow, wow, wow. <laughs> kind of What's... a weird story. We'll have to talk about off air. And if you haven't joined the Robots Discord, this is a perfect time to, uh, to market that. I'll talk to you about it on there. But <laughs> about Dr. Tapero. <clears throat> to she was supposed to stay on the ark mm-hmm. and she was supposed to work with the initiative to wake up colonists and kind of tend to their medical needs <clears throat> but when uh Ryder's father dies and then they become the pathfinder her perspective changes a little bit and i have a, a clip here that kind of demonstrates that i'm, I'm going to go ahead and play it we'll see
1: if it plays actually, through my mic actually you know what? i've got it set up we could even put it up on on the screen for the video oh so and, by let's, all means. Let's just go with this, then. Oh, hold on. Uh, I was muted because we had, uh, we had somebody, uh, sub, or, yeah, subscribe to the channel. Thank you for subbing, fam! Alright, let's see, here we go.
0: We all have off days.
3: I always hoped to work in the field, but everything's happening so quickly.
0: Focus on the positive. It helps.
3: I guess this is my opportunity to study alien species firsthand. Getting a cat specimen aboard the Hyperion would be difficult, but here.
0: Uh, what?
3: A cat corpse. For autopsy, a live subject would be better, but I'm not greedy. Why do you care about the cat? Harry didn't tell you. I'm a specialist in alien anatomy. My thesis on Krogan virility and aggression is what got me in the initiative.
1: You know what I love the most about these Andromeda clips? is that it's mm. so impressive that these kindergartners are achieving so much <laughs> in space i couldn't they go without it. I, I couldn't I, I couldn't not bring up the weird proportions again it's the
4: proportions it is the frostbite engine it is the uh, the textures d- are
1: good like i'm looking at it again i I, I don't want to go on to this too long but like the hair on his face the, you know, the pores on the skin like all of that stuff's pretty good but everybody's everybody's like a kindergartner.
4: I think there's a lack of, I want to say, nonverbal language. So body language. those oh, is subtle that it? Movements. Oh, maybe that's the part subtle of it movements, too. the subtle facial expressions. I, yeah. I feel like there's something that was lost in translation between the Unreal Engine and the Frostbite. Right, because
1: like, if you if you take any two screenshots and could just compare them, not in motion, you can clearly still see that, like. It's an upgrade in graphics quality, but there's something about the character designs and the way they move and the, the proportions of the body that just are just that yes. they're, they're into the uncanny valley more than just like like I don't mind looking at the older graphics. I mean, they they still look like people. They just look like older. I, yeah, graphics.
4: I, I feel like that's why screenshots from Andromeda look great. Mm-hmm. Gameplay does not look as
1: great. Yeah, it's so weird. But anyway, OK, so. So, uh, so she talks about
4: how she wants to, uh, her specialization is in alien biology. Mm -hmm. And so she views joining the Tempest as an opportunity if they bring back a cat, right? If they bring back a cat corpse, she can learn a lot more about this brand new life form and it must be incredibly medically fascinating to her. Uh, and so she has this specialization an interest in alien biology, uh, which is also driving her to do this. But she also senses that there's a need there and she always wanted to do field work. So she didn't want to yeah. be stuck behind a desk.
1: Right. So, I mean, that makes sense. It sounds like a like an amazing opportunity.
4: It does. And I can understand her hesitation. You can sense a little bit of it in her voice there. Uh, because I'd be kind of scared about that, too, if I spent, you know, 200 some years uh learning medicine and really staying behind a desk and now all of a sudden uh in this new galaxy that's been marketed to us as a veritable haven of habitable worlds. We learn that A, that's not true. B, the guy that was supposed to lead us is dead (laughs) and C, his his offspring, who have very little leadership experience whatsoever, are taking the helm. And D, there's also a very uh, hostile alien race that has an incursion in in the current sector. So it's kind of scary. Um, but mm-hmm. it is an opportunity to learn more, and I think that's what drives uh, Dr. Tapero. Now, I mentioned that she had 200 years of, uh, of, of, of time to learn, give or take. Uh, that's because she's about 275 years old. We know she grew up in Omega. Okay. and what do we know about Omega except that it's a very seedy planet that has a very sizable gap between the haves and have nots. It's like Sin City.
1: hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't an, well, unless you grew up as one of the haves, but statistically speaking, you probably didn't.
4: Yeah. Unless you were like in with Aria, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But her mom was a dancer. So might have actually known Aria tangentially. Mm hmm. Uh, and her dad was a Turian bouncer. So quite a, quite a upbringing to go from that to doctor. And the way that she started was because she patched up her dad every time he got roughed up Oh, geez. and, <laughs> and her parents remembered how good she was at doing so. So they shelled out for medical school to give her a better shot at life.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that totally like, you're just kind of like learning in the trenches, sort of. Like, you know, I mean, those are kind of trenches.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? I don't think any child should have to grow up um, tending into wound care for their parents. Um, but that is how Dr. Lexi Tapero grew up. And uh, she did go away to medical school. She got out of Omega. And I uh, take it that shortly thereafter, then she joined the initiative. But, you know, now that I'm saying this, I... Uh, if you're, like, we hear human beings complain about how long
1: medical schooling takes.
4: Oh, yeah. If you're an Asari, yeah. <laughs> how long is the, your medical schooling going to take?
1: Well, I mean, just just imagine, I mean, not only are their lives longer and all of that, but they're also aware of so many more species. And they their society is integrated with all of these other species. So... It's one thing to learn everything you need to know in order to at least to just be a general practicing physician for humans, (laughs) let alone anybody like, wow.
4: Maybe the assistance of V.I.s and A.I.s kind of eliminates some of the burden of constant memory of the knowledge. But but uh, yeah, she with her specialization in alien biology, I think it's safe to say that medical school took her longer than just a few years Um, And if her voice does sound familiar to anyone, that's because she is voiced by none other than Natalie Dormer
1: Uh, from Game of Thrones. Yeah.
4: Yes. Yeah. From Marjorie.
1: Yeah. uh, Very different characters.
4: Very different characters. And it kind of is a testament to Natalie Dormer's range of talent that she can go from Marjorie, this uh, populist queen. Right. Um, To this very clinical and detached doctor.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very, like, charismatic, really balanced, like, like, to, yeah, very different, like, completely different scales, Uh, like, I would imagine that uh, Marjorie in Game of Thrones is much more, uh, I don't know, just out there, likes to talk to people, those kinds of things, and although I, you know, everybody knows I'm not a big fan of Andromeda, I didn't get that far in it, uh, but I would imagine that she's just not quite that social.
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't feel like it. Uh, Certainly not when you're playing. I mean, you definitely get to know her a little bit better. But she is Ryder's doctor. And uh, she is not like the other doctors that we've
1: ever had in Mass Effect. In that you don't have a crush on her?
4: Well, I don't, uh, <laughs> I also didn't have a crush on Dr. Michelle, so I, I don't, I certainly do have a crush on Dr. Chakwas, but right, right. part of that is because of Dr. Chakwas's personality, which is very different from uh, Dr. Tapero. Dr. Tapero is much more strictly business, you know, mm-hmm. just, just business here, writer, at least at first. And uh, I think a male writer figures this out very quickly. I've I've never played as a female rider, so I don't know, and I know someone's going to correct me on it, but I know as male rider, you can try and flirt with her off the bat and it doesn't go well.
1: (laughs) Okay. So we've got another clip here. Check this out.
3: My thesis on Krogan virility and aggression is what got me in the initiative.
0: I had no idea. I'd love to hear more over dinner, maybe.
3: Oh, um thing is Ryder, you're not my type what's your type not a patient i need to be able to look at you clinically without distractions am i distracting not nearly as much as you think you are but we were discussing the cat <laughs> that's,
1: good. that's good that's good <laughs> he
4: just got uh, roasted mm-hmm. so uh I, I don't I don't know what the scene is like for Fem Ryder, um, but for male Ryder, that was like I remember playing through that. And I was like, man, buddy, you better sit the fuck down after that. One.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stop
1: trying, dude. She gave you like she gave you the clear like no chance. Like this is one of those yeah. things that guys just need to learn because we're kind of dumb when it comes to reading signals, you know, but like. There are some signals. There are some signals that are just like "Eh, probably not. But maybe you can convince me. But then there are signals like this that are just like, yeah, no, no chance. never going to happen. Let's just keep on moving on with our professional relationship, please. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. And so she got he got shot down. You know, she says that you're not my type.
1: Mm -hmm. And then I think she tries to hedge it with because you're my patient. Yeah, right, right. It feels like, well, I need to give him some sort of explanation here that he can't argue with. Well, you can't argue that you're my patient, so we'll just go with that.
4: Right. And so I question whether or not the way that Natalie Dormer at least delivered that line, I question whether or not it was sincerely just based on ethics Mm -hmm. or whether she's just backpedaling behind that doctor-patient reason because it, it kind of feels like, look, even if you weren't my patient, like, yeah. yeah, still not interested. And then and then the response from Ryder like, oh, am I distracting? And it's like, you know right. what? This this is why I said no.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right here. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact that you feel like, dude, you did not get it the first time. Now you're trying a second time. You better get it this time, buddy. Yeah.
4: Right. So we get Um, that's pretty early in the game, I think. And uh, we get a, a pretty quick understanding of her personality, not just from that remark, but from that entire conversation, we understand very quickly that Dr. Tapero is quite analytical. She's more clinical than any of the previous doctors that we have in Mass Effect. And what I mean when I say that is that Dr. Chakwas was just as likely to like put a cast on your broken bone as she was to knock back a beer with you. Uh-huh, right. As we heard from Dr. Greg, that is not typical of doctors.
1: Yeah, well, yes, right. Generally, I mean, I think this is more typical of the doctor, like the doctor patient thing, like maintaining professional distance, making sure that you don't get too involved emotionally with your patients, all of that kind of thing.
4: Yeah. And so um, it, it's really and Dr. Michelle is a little different because she's kind of in like one and a half games, <laughs> but she is <laughs> present in 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 the Mass Effect original trilogy. But it's still a very different interaction that the player can have with, uh, with Dr. Tapero. And Dr. Tapero has this dry wit, very dry wit, much more so than I think Dr. Chakwas had. I'm not saying that Dr. Chakwas couldn't be sarcastic. She certainly could. Yeah. Um, but this seems to be the MO of Dr. Tapero, which in my opinion, doesn't mesh well with the young adult novel sounding lines from Ryder. Right? It it sounds like something from a young adult novel, right? And when we're about yeah. to play another another line, um Ryder walks into Dr. Tapera's quarters after hours, and at least if at first she doesn't really take kindly to it.
3: It's my night
0: off. I don't remember approving that.
3: I can break bones just as well as I can mend them, Pathfinder. What are you reading? Harry's latest report on Sarah. She's restless, but on the mend.
0: So you're not really taking the night off.
3: (laughs) Work life balance has never been my strong suit.
0: You love what you do. Nothing wrong with that.
3: Tell that to my exes.
1: So she's man, that was cold. I can break bones as well as repair them.
4: Yeah. Which, you know, depending on the proximity of when that happened to the first conversation, (laughs) it's, it's like dude stop pushing like especially at least from from just if you only take the line that Ryder says i don't remove I remember approving your night off right has anyone ever uh, had a boss like that
1: uh like yeah i mean like this is this is verging on the uh, like abusing your power over somebody role like section like that like this is getting sketchy like that comment is is to to use internet vernacular cringe it's sus it's sus and cringe and everybody <laughs> no, it's everybody under 30 just like vomited it <laughs> uh,
4: yeah well it's it's not it's not when you're playing through the games I don't think it's as creepy as when you take it out of context but when you're playing through the games there's still a distinct difference I think in how that line is delivered if you cho- if you chose to try and flirt with her initially mm-hmm. you know because if you didn't then maybe it's just a playful coworker thing to say
1: right right it's what it's, if, it, if there's not like a sexual innuendo in there somewhere then it just becomes you know like ah, i just i'm just joking i didn't give you the night off oh but yeah whatever yeah it's right. cool it's cool yeah. right
4: uh so she is a straight shooter we can get this pretty quickly uh and she tries to maintain a professional distance we see this when they bring back a chosen corpse to the, temp- to the tempest. And of course, Dr. Tapero, we know at this point, is probably psyched, yeah. medically speaking, to examine this corpse. But the revelation that they make is not so uh, welcomed. And Jal, being an Angara, is, is kind of shaken by this revelation that his people are being irreversibly turned into these monsters. And Dr. Tapero specifically says to Ryder, do not encourage Jal to hold out hope here, because for all the evidence that we can see, these people are gone. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left of them besides some traces of genomes, and so for all intents and purposes, there is no way to reverse this process now or in the near future. So don't do that to him.
1: Yeah, because it's not fair. Hope. Yeah, that's false yeah. hope. That's not helpful. We need to we need to deal in the truth. <laughs>
4: And if I remember right, Ryder can backpedal. And after being told that, go, you know what, uh, you're right. I'm sorry, Jal. Uh, and it kind of speaks to uh, the fact that, as Dr. Tapero points out, like, it's OK. You're Jaw's friend. I'm his doctor. And so I'm looking at him like a patient. Right. And so she does view things through that medical, uh, mm-hmm. professional lens of keeping people at an arm's length, but also trying to be honest and transparent and fair with them.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause sometimes the role of friend is to be more catering to somebody's emotions than to, to give them the facts in the moment. Cause they're not ready for it yet.
4: Like, exactly. Sometimes yeah.
1: we willfully tell these little white lies to each other because we know that we know that they're going to get to the truth. They just need to kind of go in the, shallow end first <laughs> if that and makes I, sense. I know
4: that asari maturity i'm i don't know if it's linear to humans or like humans where because asari live a thousand years whereas humans might live a little past 100 in the mass effect universe i'm not sure you know if if it if an asari at 18 is the equivalent of the maturity of a teenager in mm-hmm. human, you know, in human terms. But I also feel in this conversation, this is where we can sense a difference in maturity between Dr. Tapero and Ryder, who, by the way, yeah. is quite young, as most people who came over with the initiative are because you're trying to repopulate a, or populate a new galaxy.
1: Yeah, now I would imagine after a few hundred years, even if you mature more slowly, you still have life experience that dictates, OK, this is probably the better way to handle this. Yeah, so, yeah.
4: so all right. I, I gained a lot of respect for Doctor Tapero there, but uh, she she also fulfills a number of other roles on the Tempest that we can talk about when we get back from the mid break.
1: Yeah, let's go thank our patrons. We'll be right back. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love.
0: message coming in patching it through
3: i am sovereign and this station is mine i like the sound of that
1: all right here we are in the middle of the show where we get to thank our patrons and we don't have any new patrons this week but we do have our tier five commander shepherds who get shout outs every week and that includes Shins. Kira C., Lieutenant Tosino, Shep Vakirian, Vakarian, Vakarian, Ah, words are hard. That's Spectre J. And William, thank you so much to all of you guys for your support and to all 66 of our current patrons. You guys are amazing. I say this every week, but I mean it. And so I have to say it every week. We couldn't do it without you guys. You guys are the best. If you want to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast is the place you can go. You can check out the lower tiers, get ad-free episodes. get ep- I don't even mention this, but you get episodes a day earlier, which is cool if you want to listen a day earlier than everyone else. Uh, also, lots of other stuff you can get there. And we also have a new review. I don't believe we've read this one out yet. Did we? Do you remember one from Steve the Mage? We have not read this one yet. Yeah, I didn't think we read this one. This one came out... Uh, th- this one came... Uh, it was dated slightly before we recorded the last episode because sometimes in my app they show up late. Uh, this is from Steve the Mage 91 in the United States, who writes Best lore cast on the Citadel, five stars. Started with the Elder Scrolls lore cast. Highly recommend if Elder Scrolls is your thing. Well, thanks, Steve. And was hooked immediately. But this was never a codex reader like Sam is. Like my dude knows literally everything there is to know. You guys talk about missions I've never heard of and inspired me to dive right back in, and I'm hooked. I am a letter carrier and having you guys in my ear all day talking about my favorite games really makes my day so much better. I am a Spotify listener and gave you five stars, but uh came here to give another five stars and leave a written review. Maybe I'll go, maybe I'll get to hear it on the show. I think you will. Tom, so much credit for always dishing out fresh and exciting content. Keep up the fantastic work. Plan on hitting either The Witcher lore cast or Lord of the Rings lore cast next. Love you guys. Uh, Mike CPS, the patron episodes are my favorite. Smiley face. Thank you so much. Didn't
4: Thank you, Mike. And Tom, didn't we just mention during episode 100 that every other person that writes in is like I drive a truck uh-huh. or I am a mail carrier. Yeah,
2: I
1: deliver things like either like I, I deliver for like UPS I deliver the mail, I drive a truck which is also delivering things <laughs> lots of delivery yeah. people but I totally get it. Like I used to drive hours every day like going to different customers and things. I covered the entire state. And so I listened to podcasts all day long. because I was in the car forever, like I totally get it. Uh, but thank you for taking the time to do that. We really do appreciate it. And like you mentioned, Spotify is another place you can give us a rating. All of that stuff helps sharing with your friends, any of that stuff. We really do appreciate it. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. So back to Dr. Tapero. Dr. Tapero, as as we've very well laid out at the beginning of this episode, tends to keep things pretty just business. Very seems very straight laced, very business. And yet, like you've noted, different from some of the other doctors we've met. Um, Do you think that's a writing decision from the developers like intentionally to create somebody that's just distinct and different? Or what do you think?
4: Yes, I I think so. And I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. Number one, you know, we've mentioned it pretty much every time we've talked about the Andromeda initiative. This is not a military operation. It's a civilian venture and it is led largely by what's basically a corporation. So I implore you, Tom, and all of our listeners to consider what it would be like to have a doctor at your workplace constantly checking in on you Yeah, or you're, you have to check in with them.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a little weird. Right. (laughs) I don't
4: know what else to say about that. It's like, I would be a little guarded too. And I'm sure the doctor probably would too, because now it's not just your doctor, but it's also a coworker.
1: Right. Yeah. How does HR now work into that? Yeah. It gets a little bit, a little bit funny.
4: Right. And, And it's, it's not a military operation. So there's not that level of camaraderie, I think. Mm hmm. You also have to remember that with Dr. Chakwas, she served with Dr. Anderson for a long time, right? She was in the Alliance for a long time. She was probably coasting toward retirement years and nothing was new to her. this was like, you know, same stuff, different day. So she was probably a lot more at ease uh, than maybe a a young Asari doctor coming up on the big years of her career. Mm -hmm. So Again, military operation, definitely going to be a lot le- less. Um, the military is known for rules and procedure, but I'll tell you that from a lot of my friends who are in the military or were in the military, especially the ones in the Navy, when you're <laughs> deployed and you're out at sea, a lot of those formalities get tossed. because yeah,
1: Yeah, especially during wartime.
4: Especially during wartime. Yeah. And and for a crew like the Normandies that got bonded by uh, by such immense trauma, you know, that, that got forged with like the hottest fire, uh, you're, you're just going to feel that level of closeness and camaraderie, especially more than people who, uh, when, you know, at the beginning of Andromeda, Dr. Tapero and Ryder are virtually strangers. Right. So, right. It is different. We, um, we
1: also don't get a trilogy here. like, And we probably never will get an Andromeda trilogy, I, I, would, have, I would assume, because it didn't sell as well as the other games. Um, but you could see how a character like this might start like this. And then over time, over a series of other games, you've got a character arc. Maybe she warms up a little bit. Maybe she does build a relationship with somebody because she's more ready to at that point or whatever. Um, but we don't get that. We just get one game.
4: Yeah, we only get one game to flesh out her character, which is a lot. It's a tall order, you know, to, to put on developers to say, uh, I'm going to compare this one game to this well-established trilogy that fans had. Uh, what would that have been? Five years to yeah. play through yeah. over and over and over again. Um, and how many hours of game time? So it, I'm not sure that that comparison is, is fair either, but... It could also just be her personality, Dr. Tapero's personality that she's strictly business. Some people take longer to warm up to uh, warm up than others. And as I just mentioned, she is virtually a stranger with Ryder at the beginning of Mass Effect. When you compare it to like Chakwas's interaction on the Normandy with some uh, people that she served for served with for a while. uh, Shepard, we don't know how long she served with Uh, Anderson has served with for quite a while. But there's also one other thing. Dr. Tapero functions as your psychologist.
1: Okay, so she's like, obviously she's working not just on your body, but on your mind. So she's probably paying a lot of attention to you when you're not even in the room with her talking about what's going on psychologically. Like she's probably watching, filing reports.
4: Yes, she is. And she tells us that she's transparent about it. She says that she's sending them to Pathfinder headquarters, which, although it's called headquarters, the whole practice still feels very corporate, much like Kelly's role in Mass Effect 2, who was hired by the elusive man to basically keep tabs on Shepard and Shepard's mental health. Um, Yeah, this feels
1: very similar to that.
4: It does feel similar, although uh, to be fair, the initiative is not a human supremacist organization, sure, so there's sure, that. Sure. But um, but
1: it is but it is a corporation. It is a, it is a company, and it wants to uh, maintain a, a, I don't know, a watch on its assets. It wants to, yes. to know, you know, like, are, because people, and this is something everybody needs to realize, if you work for a company, if you work for a corporation, you're a person, but first and foremost, you're a tool for that company to make money. And any company is going to try to make sure that if they want to make money, well, they're going to keep their tools in good repair. Right. So they're going to keep they're going to identify what needs to be replaced, what needs to be fixed. All of those things. And human beings are a little bit touchier than, say, a machine. But this, it's the same kind of thing. If somebody is, is psychologically yeah. breaking down, the company's going to want to know.
4: Yeah, it's it's a colonization effort, but it's, you know. Any colony is there to, it needs to make money to survive, right? right. But it so, also,
1: the people also have to survive too. So like, for example, right. if the commander of the team is psychologically breaking down, that could be very dangerous to the lives of the other people. So there might be other people who want to step in, in a way that wouldn't necessarily happen to somebody like Commander Shepard halfway across the galaxy on some sort of, you know, war mission.
4: It would also make sense to be more cautious of riders' mental health. Hey, how are you handling all of this stuff that's been thrown into your lap? Right. Because your dad died? Right. Because Ryder's dad was an N7. Right. Ryder's dad was used to extreme stress.
1: Right. Well, Uh, and he's young and a lot of the things on this on this expedition are not expected. There's a lot of stresses they didn't anticipate. Exactly. yeah. Yeah um, you know, future of humanity and whatnot on your yeah, shoulders. You know? Uh, so we, we can
4: find these reports in the Andromeda codex under an entry called ongoing psychological profile. And so we get to read the reports, which is nice. That's a transparent gesture. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> have to do that, but it's also a fun thing for the player to see, because mm-hmm. these are formatted largely from your own choices in dialogue and through the narrative so
1: (laughs) creepy creepy boss keeps making advances when i tell him no
4: yeah (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't include that that on the cc'd version that goes to ryder um so (laughs) as the name suggests ongoing psych profile this entry evolves throughout the game and there are two parts throughout the two major parts throughout the game where it updates i think So in most conversations, you can answer dialogue in Andromeda in one of four ways. There's the logical response, the professional, uh, the emotional or passionate, and then like the casual or sometimes sarcastic one. Uh, And depending on your preferences for this and who, if anyone you're romancing, you will get different permutations of this ongoing psych profile.
1: That's cool. Okay. So what are some examples?
4: So, for example, if you choose the emotional or passionate dialogue option very, uh, very often, then you might get something from Dr. Tapero describing you, something like, you exhibit heart and empathy in many situations. The passion you bring to your role as Pathfinder does not go unnoticed by those who work alongside you. In fact, it may be a key component in drawing others to you. Okay. But if you chose logic a lot you get something more like I've observed that you display a tendency towards analytical thinking and intellectual curiosity when interacting with others, even difficult personalities, you consider the more grounded and non-emotional response.
1: I feel like that she would, <laughs> she would prefer that one cause that's kind of who she is. Maybe.
4: I mean, she does open up at, at some points, but, and sometimes with these, um, different permutations in the ongoing psych profile, they get contradictory. And I remember mine was, Uh, especially if you choose logic, but then you also happen to do a bunch of interrupts with like the triggers, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because that will get you something like, you know, the logic that I just read, you know, non-emotional response. And then it says something like, however, I would say that this is at odds with your tendency to act impulsively in many situations. (laughs) You go on your gut rather than pause and wait for more information. So, you're all what? over the
1: place. I don't know what's going on.
4: You're very logical and not emotional. However, you're also very impulsive and tend not to wait for more information. Your um, personality
1: seems like a 13 year old just clicking whatever random response they want with no uniformity.
4: <laughs> yeah, extreme fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it can be confusing for players. I remember it was for me. Uh, but from a lore perspective, it adds depth to Dr. Tapero's job. And like I said, not those, those were about interrupts. Not everyone's gonna take interrupts, so you're not always gonna get those. Right, uh, right. But if you do, and you were wondering why it was contradictory to your logical responses, uh-huh. that's why. Uh-huh. Um, so she's, Dr. Tapero <laughs> is not there to just patch you up like doc, Dr. Bonesaw hacksaw, hacksaw.
1: <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> Doctor
4: hacksaw, Doctor Doctor <laughs> Dr. hacksaw, is there to patch you up because, as the writers <laughs> told us, her name was an anagram of uh, hacksaw, like the old timey field uh, field surgeon. So she's not just studying and researching you, or I'm sorry, she's not just studying and researching like Morden was on your ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's doing both. She's there to patch you up. She's there to monitor your psych health. She's also there to do some research. Uh, by herself as well. So she's fulfilling all of these roles and more.
1: It, it, it makes sense. I mean, I, it makes sense that they would design a character like this who would have all these roles. But I would also imagine that maybe the people on the ship feel uncomfortable around her. Is that a thing?
4: Yes. They, well, <laughs> if I were Ryder, I would. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. This is a personal thing. Yeah. We can get pretty vulnerable with Dr. Tapero about our recently killed father and the memories that of his that we are finding as this narrative progression tool. But, you know, if you we are in this situation, your dad died. You're finding memories of his that you never knew because he didn't talk about them. And you're being very vulnerable with Dr. Tapero. And she offers some advice on how to think through things. But if I knew she was filing reports about my mental health, man, mm-hmm. I would not be vulnerable with her.
1: Yeah, there would be things that you just don't bring up. Right.
4: Yeah. I would keep things a hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd <laughs> yeah. be like, that would be water cooler conversation all the way through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, it, this is sets up a, a chain of things though. Like I'm sure somebody who's as trained as she is would notice that you're not really opening up. And then you would end up having these sessions where they're like, you know, you really can't open up to me. No, I'm fine. I don't have anything else going on. Okay. Well, you know, like you end up in that loop and then. Just,
4: <laughs> Day says I don't think it's that Nefarious yes but I Also think that it's easy for us to think that Because it's a game
1: right? Well, I, and yeah and I don't know that like to, to day's point it's Probably not nefarious Right I mean you guys have played through this game You are all like no, she's fine But in the moment, like if you are a human being in that kind of moment and you know that you're being monitored and you know that there are powers out there who can make decisions about your future or the future of your project or whatever, it's just natural to be a little suspicious and careful about what information you reveal.
4: Yeah, exactly. Who
1: tells their boss everything? Nobody. Not me. <laughs> Nobody does. And, and if you and do, I, you, probably, you probably done messed up.
4: <laughs> and and you know, I, I don't think many bosses would want to know everything. Um. Yeah. But you know, this, this element of being afraid to fully open up to your assigned counselor for fear that it could be used against you. That part about Andromeda is actually quite in line with what I've heard from military and law enforcement. Because In the military, I've been told, if you have an assigned counselor, it's almost like you're on a performance improvement plan. That's what they'd call it in the corporate workplace. So if you have an assigned counselor, sometimes it's because you had to witness very traumatic things, and it is a requirement that you do it. Mm -hmm. Other times, it's like, I should probably be careful with what I say to them, because anything I can say or anything I say can and will be used against me.
1: Right, right. It's not like regular, like if I go to my doctor today and I open up about some things, there's doctor-patient privilege there. But my doctor does not work for my same company. My doctor does not work for a military branch that we're both a part of. Like, there is no structure around that that surpasses doctor-patient um, privilege, so. Right, so... yeah.
4: So yeah, like like touching on that point earlier, you know, it 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 we are we do lower our guard because of how much time we spend around uh, Doctor Tapero and on the Tempest, and it's a video game, and we like it would be betrayal of the tallest order right to have someone on your own crew with no foreshadowing whatsoever right try to right. usurp you and then you get fired and replaced by who cora well cora was <laughs> saying how it was her should have been her her gig anyway but <laughs> like yeah. that wouldn't happen because you're the main character of the video game right
1: but- right it would have to be some sort of major plot undertaking to to move you out of that role and then somehow you get back in that role and it's like a whole series of quests or or maybe that's like the beginning of the second game where things go sideways in a way you don't expect you know like
4: and if they did that because you were too vulnerable with your doctor that they placed on your ship Uh for you that'd be I mean it would be hilarious don't get me wrong but it would also be like What What? the hell? I'm playing a game to escape.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It would have to be one of multiple reasons why they do the thing that they do. Right. Like, hey, we've decided to make some changes. Also, well, you know, we've gotten word that there's some psychological issues. It's like a justification for a thing that would have happened anyway because of multiple reasons. I don't know. Yeah.
4: And so you asked, does anyone really feel like uneasy around her? Mm -hmm. Unequivocally, PB definitely does. (laughs) PB does not like... Dr. Tapero, They do not get along. And I, I think that PB even says that she thinks Tapero is, is, uh, viewing her crew as like experiments. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and kind of surprisingly because of how we get to know Dr. Tapero and that she doesn't cross that line early on about, you know, Dr. Pa- patient interactions. Well, we, we, eventually find out that Dr. Tapero has been going to this bar and nursing a drink. And I'm I'm saying like drinking in quotes here because Mm -hmm. she doesn't drink. But we find out that she's been going to this bar and sitting alone with a drink. Uh, And so you can kind of you can approach. And here's where this next conversation she really opens up. And we find out a lot more about her personality.
3: Drink. What's this really about? PB thinks I don't care about the crew. That you're all just experiments to me. Do you... Is that how you think I see you?
0: Since when do you care what PB thinks?
3: It's not the first time someone told me that. In fact, every one of my exes said something similar. Hence why I'm taking a break from relationships.
0: So that's the real reason you said no to dinner. It wasn't because I'm not your type.
3: Yes, I mean no. Don't change the subject. Is that how you think I see you?
0: You wouldn't be moping in this bar if you only saw me as an experiment.
3: I don't mope. But you're right. <sighs> Thank you, Ryder. I should get back.
0: What about your wine?
3: I'll save it for another day.
1: <laughs> That's a good dialogue. I like I like that one. That one it it, it can bring some things together, you get a glimpse of her uh, yeah. it's almost like there's this like very natural, very I mean obviously she's not human, but very human inability for self-awareness and yet self-awareness at the same time about different things.
4: She's quite diplomatic in how she approaches it anyway, but but she does lower her guard a little bit. She divulges some personal information about her own life to Ryder, that she has had some bad relationships, mainly because exes viewed her as to being too clinical. Right, uh, right.
1: And then the whole like you're moping. Well, I don't mope. And it's like, but you clearly are like you're you're, somehow you're not aware of the way you come across to other people when you're being too clinical or when you're being emotional. Both things like there's this like disconnect there.
4: Well, I think it's a different scale, too, for for Dr. Tapero being emotional for Dr. Tapero probably looks a lot different than being emotional for a Krogan. Right. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah so yeah, but like moping um, in a bar like i'm not moping in a bar well you kind of are like if we could we could define this thing that you're doing right now as that so yeah like, yeah so
4: so it's yeah it, it it sheds a lot of light into what dr tapero is actually considering maybe what she's not saying uh but she still does keep things very uh professional and arguably you know if i were to have to pass a verdict on who is the most doctor-like of all the physicians we've met in Mass Effect uh, as what I understand a doctor to be and the, and the stereotypical the, doctor-like right, qualities. Right, like, it I mean, is Dr. Tapero.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like uh, what a doctor should be doing in these situations, that kind of thing, as opposed to not necessarily every... I mean, every doctor has a different personality, but...
4: Right. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Hacksaw, obviously the old-timey field surgeon, uh, Dr. Morden, much more of the like research geneticist, that kind of oh, scientist. Oh, very much more research. Kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Dr. Michelle, sketchy <laughs> metagel dealer <laughs> yeah, with a right. French
1: accent. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's. I mean, this is fun because uh, it's it's neat to get this these glimpses for me of characters that I really haven't spent much time with. So I, I appreciate it as well. Um, uh, this has been fun talking about all this medical stuff, uh, a little bit stressful at times, but I'm sure we're going to move on to something probably a lot happier for next oh, episode. Yes.
4: yes, definitely happy things on the horizon, mm-hmm. but not for next week. Oh. Uh, so for next week, we are going to be talking about the genophage. That's not happy at all. Nope, it's not. <laughs>
1: no, that's that's it's terrible. <laughs> Still born Krogan, <laughs>
4: uh, we, if they are born at all, oh, uh, oh, so
1: man.
4: Oh. we gotta, we gotta talk about the genophage. We talked about it very briefly about like a hundred episodes ago.
1: We did. It uh, was like one of the first three or four episodes, wasn't it? it was, yeah, yeah. So,
4: but we put it in the larger context of the Krogan rebellions. So now I think it's time to devote an entire episode to the genophage and I also have much better audio equipment now, so it'll probably be much more pleasant to listen to. <laughs>
1: it'll be a little so. bit better. Well, cool, man. I look forward to it, even though it's not a happy topic. It's a very interesting topic. And um, you got anything else going on you want to share before we head out?
4: Yeah, I'm streaming. Uh, Neutral Shepherd. Jerry Shepard, has entered <laughs> Mass Effect 2. I've already missed some some uh, interrupts on Is purpose. It Jerry or Gary? I thought, I,
1: said, Jerry. I, thought you, I thought you said Gary before, but maybe I'm misremembering.
4: It is Jerry, uh, and I think I subconsciously chose that name because of Jerry from Rick and Morty. Um, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, because so, he's kind of bland. Yeah.
4: Very totally. bland, neutral, and kind yeah. of a weenie. Um, kind but, of a weenie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've already missed some, uh, some interrupts. Uh, Morden's assistant is dead because I refused to not be neutral. Oh, no. And the <laughs> the neutral thing to do was the Batarian said, we're going to kill him. And then I was like, no, you won't. Or wait. No, that it was the response was something like, we're going to kill your friend. And then my response was, he's not my friend.
1: <laughs> he's not my friend. That's <laughs> <Like, So>, fine.
4: <laughs> well, I, I, the, technically the truth, but oh, OK, well, now he's dead um they followed through i mean they died for it but they followed through so anyway if you want to see some (laughs) ridiculously bland and funny uh responses uh to dialogue come and check out neutral shepherd i'm doing that every saturday on twitch i'm still doing my andromeda playthroughs had to skip it yesterday but i am planning to stream some today after this lore cast
1: cool cool yeah go hang out with uh n7 the legend so seven yes, the legend and seven the Twitch legend and twitter yeah go check that out um i've got all my stuff robotsradio.net, for all the different shows on the network for my other shows I'd love if you are into any of the other fandoms, any of the other IPs that I do shows on. I'd love to have you come check those other shows out. And uh, I've always got some other stuff kicking around. We still don't know when Starfield is launching. Bethesda, you got to tell us something. But if you're interested in keeping up with all the news and all the stuff, StarfieldInsider.com is my new website I'm doing with, with Sam and some other people. So as things are worth reporting on or discussing or talking about the lore or gameplay, it'll go up on there. And you can always listen to the Starfield Lorecast. That's what I got going on. And we will see you guys next week when we talk about, yay, the Genophage. Woo! All right. Well, I guess we're going to go. Bye, everybody.